0: But uh, I'm really, I'm really honored to have you on uh, Unraveling Religion today, Vicky. Sure. Well, um, actually, maybe I want to start by saying there's so
1: much in the nature that is very spiritually oriented and reminders of things that are of the spirit. You know. Yeah. And uh, I've just spent a lot of time with indigenous people very recently, and they say they, it's not a religion, there's our life ways. And I feel like any of our
0: religions, if they're not life ways, what are they? <laughs> so, so anyway. Um, well, it's, it, what you say is true, because as we become disconnected from nature itself, we need, have to create meaning and re- revitalization through belief constructs, which become religion. In our cities and in our populace like we become disconnected we really we've lost touch with that essential connection with our environment that is rejuvenative and restorative yeah
1: absolutely so 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 uh, just well it's making me think of Dostoevsky said beauty will save the world the (laughs) other thing is that the the connectedness and the the you know something bigger than ourselves thing that people talk about that is something about religion something about even about uh, com- uh, collaborating working together as part of something bigger than ourselves so you know well nature is definitely something bigger than ourselves <laughs> the creation so it 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 makes meaning it makes meaning for oh, people that's,
0: that's so well put. And it and it it it's it, it, there's like an ease in sharing in nature that that you observe that it teaches us as human beings mm-hmm. just the need yeah. to do that to share yeah
1: yes yes so much so so I would say in terms of my spiritual path well first I I, I guess I might start with that I'm a social worker and, and I'm a seeker um, and I have a dog as you can hear but I I've always felt you know that the spirit you know is so important that religion that connectedness that um very heart heart to heart uh, spirit to spirit um so when i said i'm not, i'm a social worker well my older sister was paraplegic and i had a younger sister and brother Have a younger sister and brother, although my old our older sister has passed away. And our parents, our our mom was a WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and our dad was a German Jew. And I always felt very, very sure that, you know, all paths lead to the same goal to the extent that when I read a book about Sri Ram Krishna when I was 12 and he he was, you know, taught that all paths lead to the same goal and I thought, well, everybody knows that, right? And I've come to find out that not everybody knows that. Just because A is true doesn't mean B is not true, right? And that actually, of course, I think that the truth and the, the enormity of the truth or even I like to call it the noumena the great mystery is bigger than any of them right so we can't narrow it down into anything or the idea of God that we can't narrow God or the spirit or any of that into some small circumscribed thing as if we knew as if we understood right no I did spend a lot of time. Well, I read about Sri Ram Krishna at a twelve year old, but I didn't really connect with the Ram Krishna Mutt and Mission until I was a grad school mm. student in Boston in in my late twenties, uh-huh. and I stumbled across that there was a monk from the Ram Krishna Mutt and Mission was speaking somewhere about uh, actually about Vedanta and Islam,
2: uh-huh.
1: and I went so excited. I thought, oh, we must have you know flown in or something like that well he lived there and there was a center there and I started going and I was very seriously devoted for for many years there um and you know and uh, well even Swami Vivekananda said it's good to be born in a church but it's bad to die there (laughs) so you know my spiritual journey has continued on but the one thing I'd say about what you said is that you know, they talk in Hinduism about dualism and non-dualism. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe in other religions, too. But the dualism being, you know, there's God and then the creation. And the non-dualism is what you were talking about, that it's all one thing. Yeah. You know, it's all one whole thing. And, of course, that is where I've come to definitely be, you know, myself.
0: But what, 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 what brought you to this place? Tell me a little bit about your journey. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Vicky.
1: Well, so, so I started off with, you know, the being, being the, the middle child in a family where there was definitely trauma on both sides from my parents, both. But my dad, especially as a German Jew, um, as a 15-year-old, as a very um, radical 15-year-old in 1933 in Munich, he was told that he had better leave um, or they would be taking care of him. Because he refused to say Heil Hitler" when he went up to get his prize at his when you know at on his sports day, things like that. Um, beat up the leader of Hitler Youth, different things like that. So he had had some real trauma, um, and uh, in other, you know, there were some family issues too. And then for our mom, also the same thing, including a lot of survivor guilt. In her particular family, both she had lost um, two out of her five siblings. I mean, three of them continued on. Two had passed, and one was her, her younger sister. And she and there's always that or certainly for her, I think there was a lot of survivor guilt.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, um, and also for a parent who her mother was the one survivor of four children. Yeah. So all the rest of the children and the dad, had all died. They the kids had died of diphtheria, I think, but and the father had died. So there was just the mother and the surviving my grandmother, mm-hmm. just the the trauma and the and the extreme um, mourning that she always had and depression that uh, my grandmother's mother always had. So anyway, so there's all of that, and then my sister being being in a wheelchair. Uh, you know, being a paraplegic or technically quadriplegic. And then our mom was pretty overwhelmed with all the amount of work, especially because then there was the younger brother and sister. So to me, I grew up as a helper, you know, helping, helping. I was helping my sister, um, my older sister, before I remember. And as far as the spirit and uh, spiritual seeking, I think that's just always it's always been part of it. I think, you know, well, first of all, a certain amount of sensitized sensitization to suffering.
2: Yeah.
1: That's to that. So between my parents, their relationship, their, their own, you know, things to deal with, um, our own thing to deal with as a family that our older sister couldn't walk.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, so those things just brought brought me to that seeking and that, and that you know helping,
2: yeah. seeking
1: and, help, and helping to seek. And it's interesting because you want it, you want to talk about spirituality and activism, yeah. and I want to. Say, they to me are just so much part and parcel. Yes. Because it is the love that makes people an activist. Yeah. Usually, because you care that people are suffering. Yeah. You want to see them have a relief mm-hmm. you want to see the healing you want to see you know things that be-, be better you know um one of the reasons why i love cornell west so much because when he speaks he speaks in a very personal way mm-hmm. about our very personal lives our daily choices and things like that but in uh, plugged into both a very real phenomenon that is the the, the the history and the legacy of our experiences,
2: yeah.
1: you know, um, the various, you know, the analysis of what has happened yeah. and how things are right now, coupled up with the spirit and what, you know, what that struggle is, you know, in our individual lives, in our collective lives, you know, how, how to deal with those, those needs. I'm not going to stop being an activist or I'm going to, I'm not going to stop doing anything. I, I'm hoping to get my workaholism a little bit better.
0: <laughs> I know in like other countries, the model of rehabilitation in the prison system is much more progressive and much more pronounced than it is in America. Could you speak to that a little bit? Like, um, like in Germany, yeah. let's say in Germany, sure. like the, um, the, the means of like wanting to rehabilitate, literally to foster and grow the character and spirit of people, preparing them to come out like-
1: Absolutely, absolutely we do. I mean, we have a, our criminal justice system is a criminal system. Yeah. It is very, it, it, it's very, uh, it's racially oriented. Yeah. It was started right off as sort of a substitute 13th amendment. Um, specifically said, well, there'll be no savior, except, you know, if people are incarcerated uh, for, you know, some kind of a crime. And then there were all kinds of things that were made into crimes that weren't crimes and all kinds of uh, ways that people get charged and, and convicted when they didn't do anything or they didn't do that or whatever. So so there's all of that going on. So the Germans, you know, the way the Germans handled the war and their, their their crimes against humanity is, would be a great model oh. for the way that we have not dealt with all the things that, that are the criminal behaviors and things in our past right. for, of the United States, right? That was one thing. But I didn't even mention that today is the beginning of the kickoff week about um, reseal the deal for Iran, the Iran deal. Yeah. So. We worked very hard to get that accomplished and it was a very happy day when it was. Then it all went to because uh, we had a criminal in the White House, um, even more criminal than usual. Yeah. I would say very, very, very criminal behavior coming out of the White House, um, which included just you know dropping out of that very good deal that was not being transgressed. It was working very well and just making making a problem into it, putting a problem out there, creating a problem. So we're hoping that uh, that President Biden will just go back into the Iran deal as it was originally agreed to and just become part of that whole group, you know, to jo- rejoin the group, rejoin the agreement and just not have to, you know, just uh, push for something more. And, and another thing, when I mention that, I can't help mentioning about uh, Yemen and all the way Yemen is suffering, the way now uh, President Biden said that he's not going to enable that war anymore. But we haven't seen any real changes. And in Iran, they have not seen any real changes. So it was we won't enable that war, but we'll still help supply them with supply saudi arabia with their their military um wish list etc and uh for their defense defense uh supposed defense needs or something so the people in yemen are suffering tremendously and war war i want to say especially the way it is waged now is such it is criminal. It is a war crime. I mean, the laws. First of all, there was there was a law passed against war anyway in um, the the uh, the Kellogg's briand Pact act was uh, in nineteen uh, twenty seven and twenty eight outlawed war. And then, if you look at the 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 rules and regs for war making, that there you know you cannot there's proportionality there's all these things that you can't do that are regularly done in wars yeah
2: yeah
1: and and sanctions by the way i've also seen that sanctions are not a good um not they're not a good substitute mm. for war it just means all again once again that the people to suffer are the people yeah yeah so anyway so 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 for 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 Yemen, for Iran, for so many countries where we think they we know what they need to do, you know our foreign policy is very wrong, and I, I can't help mentioning um our uh foreign policy in terms of the the nuclear nuclear weapons where we are the biggest bully on the block by far, yeah. and um, we're part of the back from the brink campaign which has five different um demands and one of them being that that uh there should be no first nuclear strike that that you know it can't be a one-person decision i can't remember what the other three things are but but basically i mean we need to restart the um disarmament process. We cannot afford the loaded gun to our head and to everyone else's head.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it beckons, it beckons to bring it back into into the spiritual realm and spirituality mm-hmm. and the evolution of humankind and of people. Um, I'm just wondering, Vicki, if you could speak about how this activism and the the merging of sort of your spiritual path, like, could you talk a little bit more about that, how those two interact? Sure. Yeah.
1: Well, so, and here's what, so I just started, what I say is, um, they're totally intersected to me and, but they weren't always in that kind of way. So I told you a little bit about why, how I'm a, um, a seeker, a social worker, I want to help. And my dad was all about justice. I think I sort of said that about, he was, you know, with his adamancy, you know, um, about, uh. You know, stopping the Nazis and etc. cetera. Um, and our mom was, uh, she actually, um, she applied for school at, as a 14 year old, she applied for when she went to college that she wanted to go to Swarthmore, which was the Quaker College, which is known for their peacemaking. Yeah. And uh, she was always one who, if people were fighting, she would just agree with whoever she was with, pretty much. So the peacemaking, the, the conflict resolution, the not wanting any conflicts going on, that was very much our mother. So the peace and justice sort of go hand in hand. But I was not politically active. I was, you know, I, I, I wanted to be a social worker as a teenager. Then I ended up wanting to... Um, Uh, Oh, I ended up. You know, well, I could give you. I didn't get into the weeds a little bit, but I just say overall, I did a bunch of things. I mean, you know, I had. I ended up. I I dropped out of school. I went back and forth to school a number of times. Now I do have a doctorate degree, but it was an honorary. Um, But I got a couple of master's degrees. But the first one was in, in international economic development. Oh. Because I wanted to save babies, right? Yep.
0: yep.
1: Yeah, so go do project work. My dream job was in Peshawar, Pakistan, and the res- refugee camp and everything. I didn't get that job. So I ended up, meanwhile, I had already reconnected to the Vedanta, or connected to the Vedanta, right? Um, and so I was, so I ended up, I ended up um, working in banking and being a very serious devotee. Right, we're leading a really cloistered life. I, I sort of describe myself as a freelance nun in that period of my life, where I was working in banking though. While I was yeah. doing, it was like a double life. It was like very weird when people would, you know, we'd have these. If if yeah, I was in some kind of a group with the with the my my guru and other other devotees, and then when go around like introducing yourself, and yes, I work in a bank. you know. (laughs) I didn't, didn't, yeah, so it would be very surprising, but so still the political activism was not there. But my younger sister was a political activist. I would even say our older sister who passed away during that period. Was a, a, a political activist in a lot of ways, and especially as a person with a handicap, um, she would call the police when people would park in a handicap spot. That was yeah. one of the things. <laughs> but you know, she she was in a sort of a low key and very pragmatic way. She was kind of an activist, and certainly our younger sister really was. Uh-huh. So, and then as a, and then after our older sister had passed away. Um, you know, she'd start talking politics to me and I'd say, you know, Fritzy, I really have to get off the phone <laughs> because I couldn't stand it. Well, why? Because I knew if I really let it in my brain, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I would never have any peace from it. So, so this, is, this is the great thing that the, the thing we deny the most is really like the the path that we're trying to steer away from is really a deep calling. Yeah.
1: Right. So then it, so it
0: happened and it happened right after
1: it was the anniversary of, of, um, of, uh, the, of nine eleven. when I saw what they were doing yep. to turn it into a big excuse for going to war and all kinds of other nefarious, uh, you know, um, intentions and, you know, Just greedy,
0: selfish, selfish motivations. Yeah. Yes. Right.
1: So that was when it went from, Zero to hundred. Yeah. So I was ready to go to, to Iraq as a as a human shield, except then I thought I thought I was a little too suspicious because I thought it really would that I was actually seeing, feeling I was just imagining that George Bush would get, you know, charter a plane to get all pile all the activists onto the plane <laughs> <laughs> just to shut us up or yeah. something. Yeah. Wow. So I decided to stay here and really, you know, um, except for I was working as a social worker doing um, um, uh, therapy. I was a mobile therapist, so I was working with kids and families. Um, but when I wasn't doing that, that then I was very busy working in northeastern Pennsylvania, where I lived at the time, um, just wherever and whenever. You know, there was any opportunity for activism.
0: Yeah. Now, Vicky. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, especially anti-war at that point. Yeah. Well, I just I just want to say we have some shared connections. My father also was Jewish. My mother was uh, Irish really? Catholic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and I think through the years she was into yoga and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. but it, it taught me about the validity the validity of all the world's traditions, as we were speaking about earlier. Literally, right. of all the world's traditions, and, and in my own journey, um, I spent some time in Nepal, and I know uh-huh. that in our connections, you've also spent some time in, in that area in, in that region, yeah.
2: Oh, I, I well, only
1: t- just under two weeks, okay. but I loved it. Oh, Nepal, and uh, did you get some to do some trekking? I imagine you did.
0: I did a little bit. I did a little bit. Um, we were in a, um, I was on an NGO, Tevel Bedsedek, which is an Israeli oh. NGO. And um, yeah. we, were in a, we were in a remote mountain village. So we just, really? from village to village. Uh, it was, Weird. It was, uh, we were doing, an, it was in, uh, uh, the village name was uh, Lamatol, Because there was a Buddhist temple above, and the farmers were llamas. Many of them, like the Dalai Lama, many of the farmers were llamas. Um, and so, uh, just walking around there, going from, um, town to town and, uh, the beauty of the place. But like, it really, I went there because I had had a heartbreak, like a heartache and I Mm -hmm. had to get out of the States and out of my, um, out of my, like not my conventional way of seeing things. And the mountains really healed me. The mountains, like really, it settled something in me, very profound in it. And I was only there for two months, but um, it really was something that was very necessary for me at the time, you know
2: so, absolutely
0: yeah but,
2: Wonderful.
0: yeah and so in 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 your work with the water protectors and talking going back to the sort of what we were talking about in the beginning of the show, um, the themes of nature and the restorative um, teachings of nature and uh, native peoples, um have you done a a lot of work with native peoples? I would you know it's all relative um
1: I'd say you know a lot more than many and not as much as some, I've been very blessed that um since I moved here to Buffalo, it's two thousand and seven, I've had an adjoining virtually adjoining office with um Agnes Williams, Seneca. She Seneca. Her dad was uh, chief actually, um, during the whole Kinswood dam thing. And she's a social worker too, by the way. Um, cause I, Oh, which I didn't say, I went back to school for social work okay. when I wanted and you know, that's how I ended up, you know, so that's how I ended up doing this work and how it's also connected. So the social work with the spirit and the spirit and, uh, everything else. So anyway, Agnes, as a social worker, as a person who was very involved with the American Indian movement, at, at you know at the time, you know at at a very significant time, um, and this is another very significant time. Yeah. So so that's how. And over the years, you know, I've just worked with her a lot, and I've learned from yeah. her a lot, a huge amount, and it's just been my great um, pleasure and learning learning uh journey Uh, now i do like to think that our mother on our mother's side because our mother had uh she had somebody who came over on the mayflower was the howland who was the guy who fell in and had to be, he fell into the ocean and he did get fished back out and he did lead to be a very prolific life, I guess, because I've met people who are also two, at least two people I know who are not clearly related to me, who are probably very distantly related to me from him. Yeah, yeah. But my mother also on her family was her grandmother had come over herself, Uh you know, had been a, a first generation, I should say. Her dad, her dad came over, I don't know where, whether she was born here or there. But um, but anyway, so, so, but some of my mom's family was here for a very long time. So I might have some indigenous blood, but I don't know that. But I do know that, um, that the wisdom, the wisdom of being connected to the creation of, yeah. of respect of 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 the the ways of the peacemaker yeah. you know which are, are especially the iroquois as they call it or the haudenosaunee which is what what they what the haudenosaunee call it and what what we call you know had tremendous knowledge and wisdom and and um in just wonderful life ways, wonderful, sustainable life ways. And now with everything that's going on, we so need to, to respect that, to learn from it and to emulate that.
0: I could not agree more. I mean, I think that, um, I think that, um, really just like this, qu- the quality that seems to be lacking in our culture is like the ability of like attentive listening of like, not, not, putting forth what you think, what you want, and what you believe, but really a receptivity to like those around us. What are we needing? What are we wanting? How might we share things? You know what I mean? I think that it feels like an element that's really lacking, and I know I, I've had some Native friends, and um, they, they've instructed and taught me so much about that, and I know that generally in spirituality, they, they're very different than maybe like other ways of uh, expressing spirituality because they don't really talk about it so much. Right.
1: Right. Well, they, they don't, what they do, they do and they don't. So in a way it's back to by, you know, it's not so much of teach, of teaching or preaching, but it is, um, there's a depth, there's the Gannonial, you know, which in a lot of cultures now, I think of a Catholic man I knew who once said to me, you know, uh, oh, gratitude is the attitude or something like, you know, like the, the, the thankfulness is the the antidote
2: yeah.
1: to our ills, no matter what they are. And that is very much in the indigenous or at least and especially Haudenosaunee ways is that they. You know, at the beginning of the day that's what you started off with the thankfulness mm-hmm. the genonio. And then for any event, it starts with the gnono with the thankfulness for all the and it goes through all the different elements, you know, of the creation and all the different elements that you're thankful for and including the people, right? Mm-hmm. And starting with the people, but then going to the earth and then going up through the grasses and the trees and the and the different flying and Swimming and winged, you know, different creatures. So, um, and of course, I just came back from uh, from Minnesota yeah. in line three. So, for those who have seen, you know, I, some of some of the the um, uh, radio shows that we've done and broadcasts that we've done from Think Twice Radio, and then also on our on our YouTube there are a bunch of videos that we took. There's one great one with um, Winona LaDuke speaking at length. Um, And the only thing is the sound that you can hear it, but I am embarrassed that my active listening is like way too loud. (laughs) And if I could do that, uh, you know, anyway, we live and learn, you know, I'll do a better job next time. But anyway,
0: well, I, I want to just switch topics for a second, Vicky. I'm sure. curious, like, so in this, this, uh, this spiritual spirituality and activism, could you someone just maybe beginning on the path? Let's say I was interested in becoming more more of an activist. More, mm-hmm. what books would you recommend? What people would you recommend I talk to? What books do you recommend I read? What things do you recommend I would do?
1: Well, one of the things I'd say is. Um, You know, I I do think Cornel West is a good place to start. You know, I think just listening to him, the way, you know, he sort of boiled it down to um, moral integrity and universal solidarity will get you where you need to go. So when you start off with that, that's a great way, but you know, and he, you know, certainly, he actually as a black man, as a Christian, you know, very, um, you know, devout Christian, devoted to Christianity, but he has that universality of spirit. So he's not, so he doesn't miss anything there. And he talks certainly a lot about um, black people and their situation, but he's also said, you know, I didn't know what poverty was till I saw how indigenous people were living, right? And um, so in line with, I want to also say, of course, you know Dr. King uh-huh. you know and and I mean black people in this country have suffered and have taught so much so from Dr. King and Malcolm X who by the end you know were both really very much in the same place
2: yeah.
1: um and so many of the Panthers I know I was talking with a Panther um and they said I feel, we're going through this whole violence non-violence thing right which I mean We could talk plenty about that too. So strict nonviolence isn't even possible, first of all, you know. So you think I think about um, a movie about the Dalai Lama when he wanted them to construct something, and they're 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 digging with like a little spoon. Why? Because they don't want to kill. They want to be sure they're not killing one of the insects in the ground. So there's a certain amount of it's just not feasible you know, total supreme nonviolence. violence But um, anyway, so I asked this panther about non-violence, violence something like that. And he said, well, you know, a little crazy glue in a police lock can do a world of good. <laughs> <laughs> and so it all depends on what we mean by violence and also what's going on at the time. Where Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, of course, you probably know, you know, a Lutheran priest who yeah as many people would know who was he was in on this plot to kill hitler which didn't succeed but um, he was he was killed but he said that that violence is a sin that people take on on for the good of others to spare others you know um, so you know, but I also believe that the ends dictate the means. So it's really something to sort of figure out as we go. But I I think reading some of all that, the Ho- Howard Zinn is wonderful. Um, but so is so is Shiva, who has who is a, a physicist and who is a, as an as a as a really uh, a shero of mine. You know, who is very geared to, you know, the the spirit, but also to, you know, that, that healthy, healthful um, biodiversity that comes from back to indigenous wisdom. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Vandana Shiva has written lots of great things. Um, And I, I really feel like, you know, it's also what moves you. So for me, one of the things that moves me is this unite the struggles, because I feel like that same truth and love is the way I look at it. And that's very, that's Dr. King. Yeah. Un, I mean, if I said it once, I, if I've, I've, you know, unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. Oh. That's what he said. Yeah. So though, to me, that unarmed truth and unconditional love gets us all the way there, yeah. you know, along with, I mean, communicating and cooperating to sort of tease out how to sort of, how to, you know, how to do things in a way that will work or how to get from here to there. Yeah. But those principles, and I always, I'm always talking about principles in the spirit. Yep. That the principles in the spirit have to guide us in that way. Yes. Those things, if we are true to those things, those things will help us tease out how to figure out the practical difficulties that we have in making this world, you know, better for everyone.
0: Yep. So much so, and uh, just in, in wrapping up, are there are there some excuse me, are there some final projects that you want to promote or things that you want to promote or things that you want to bring into light or awareness?
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up about um, our indigenous friends and everything that's going on there, because I know that um, depending people who are watching this right now, which I'm guessing or listening to it right now um, on April 1st, we have an event at Niagara square. That's about the runners that indigenous runners that are going from, um, Dapple and 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 you know the Midwest and coming and running um, to D.C. to petition President Biden for stopping all the pipelines, yeah. Yeah. including DAPL and including Line Three, and we have our own Naple that just got a new lease on life. I'm sorry to say, um, so we want to stop that. Um, but I also think. You know, so many things. I mean, come the Western New York Peace Center. We're very much oriented to that because it was started as part of Dr. King's Clergy and Lady Concerned. So um, it started as an anti-war group, and it definitely is in there. But we also have nine different task forces, and the biggest thing we do is about uniting the struggles. Is about the Women's March or the Poor People's Campaign or the various times and ways that we really bring all of that together. Um, I know there's gonna be some kind of an event like that in the fall, that'll be a national thing that we're connected to rising together is called. Huh. Um, so there are a lot, but in the meanwhile, there are so many ways and we love to share our events. We have a really great event calendar. So it shares our events as well as other allies and, and groups you know, important things that people might do or campaigns that people might support. Um, and we're just keeping our practice, trying to be the change, right? Yep. It's really sometimes as simple as that too.
0: So Vicky, I just want to thank you for this, this time. It's flown by an hour um, and uh, it's been a, a true honor to meet you and to speak with you and oh. share this time with you. Thank you so much.
1: Joel, it's so wonderful to be with you. I thank you and Richard so much. It's been an honor. And uh, next time I'll be interviewing you.
0: That's great. I want to say just leave it open. Sure. Maybe we'll do a a part two of this because there was so much that was left untouched.
1: Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I want to hear more about I want to hear more. I want to see it on the map where you were in Nepal. That's (laughs) one.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: Definitely. Well,
0: thank you so much. All the best to you. All the best best to you. Take care. Bye, Bye, Vicky.
1: Bye for now. See
0: you soon.